Hello and welcome back to West Bank Bible Church Podcast. I'm Dave and I'm here with Pastor Merritt. Today we'll be looking at Daniel lesson number 32, if you're following along in the outline. But before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1, 9 as may or may not be necessary. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today asking you to open our hearts, our minds, and our souls as we exercise 1 John 1, 9 and name back our sins. Bless this lesson. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Last week we completed the exegesis and analysis of Daniel 2, verse 41 to 48. And when time expired, we had just set the stage for the study of verse 49. But before we return to 249, I'll give you the expanded translation of Daniel 2.36 to 48 as a review. Now, my king, with reference to what you dreamed, I shall interpret it for you. You, Nebuchadnezzar, are unique, for the God of the universe has given you a remarkable kingdom, a kingdom of glamour and military power. God has given you authority over the entire earth. Yes, O king, you are the head of gold. But after you shall rise, an inferior kingdom consisting of the Medes and Persians, and after this kingdom shall arise the Greco-Macedonian kingdom, and then a fourth kingdom, the Roman Empire. This fourth kingdom will be strong like iron. It shall break and subdue all things. The iron empire shall bruise all peoples, especially my people Israel, who are under divine discipline. And then you saw the feet and toes made partly of potter's clay, the undetermined nations, and partly of iron, the revived Roman Empire. This kingdom shall be divided, but it shall have the cohesive political power of the Roman Empire. And as the ten toes were partly iron and partly clay, so shall the kingdom represented be partly strong and partly broken the clay being dominated by the stronger iron. And when you saw iron mixed with clay, these nations shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, representing the union of religious and political institutions. But they shall not completely adhere, even as iron does not mix with clay. And at the end of the time of Jacob's trouble, God shall set up the kingdom of Christ, which shall never be destroyed. It shall consume all the nations aligned with the Antichrist. Christ's kingdom shall stand forever. This is the meaning of the gigantic stone. The Messiah Christ, who is cut out of the mountain, a giant stone made not with the hands of man, but solely a product of God. As you saw the great stone break in pieces, the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold... The God of the universe was made known to Nebuchadnezzar. What will happen in the future? The dream is accurate and the interpretation of it is sure. Then the king fell on his face to worship Daniel and commanded others to worship him also. And he said, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings. He is a revealer of secrets, having revealed my dream to you. Because of the king's gratitude and admiration for Daniel, 
Nebuchadnezzar gave him gifts and made him ruler over all the satraps and wise men of Babylon. Now let's continue our study with an analysis of verse 49. Then Daniel made a request of the king. He asked for positions of responsibility for his friends. Accordingly, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were placed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Daniel, however, was given even greater responsibility for he sat by the king's side as his special advisor. All right, now let's look at a few principles. Man's extreme, man's, excuse me, man's extremity is God's opportunity. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar's dream was the means of introducing God to Nebuchadnezzar. Let's look at a few points under this verse. One, it may be some time before it sinks in, but eventually God will have his way with Nebuchadnezzar. After a bout with zoanthropy, Daniel will finally publish his salvation track. But that's getting ahead of ourselves. Oh, what the heck. A preview of coming attraction. Daniel chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. King Nebuchadnezzar to the peoples nations and men's of every language who live in all the world. May you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. All right, now let's look at 1.2 in our lesson plan. God could use Daniel to accomplish this great witness before the king because he was a prepared believer. He will also use his three friends to impress the king. In fact, as we will see in chapter 3, Daniel is not around when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like Daniel, are prepared men. Men full of doctrine and ready to be tested. So when Daniel is off serving the king in some other province, the three amigos are showing off. 
to our story. Human wisdom is futile. All the wise men could not help the king. Divine viewpoint, that's Bible doctrine, however, overcomes the futility of human viewpoint. And truly it is futile. Point three, God always has a man for the crisis. Daniel was ready because he was saturated with Bible doctrine. He had doctrine in his soul and was a recipient of capacity for service and blessing from God. Prepared men are blessed. Great men of the world are often most miserable. Why? Because they're frightened. This because true happiness is the exclusive possession of a mature believer. Materialistic possessions or possessions do not assure peace of mind. A national crisis in this case provided opportunity for witness or I should say witnessing as a matter of principle a believer's demonstration of stability under pressure very frequently causes the unbeliever to sit up and take notice. Daniel answered Arioch with counsel and wisdom instead of hysteria and panic. Being in fellowship is imperative for service. Fellowship, recall, as David certainly indicated to to you. Versus, excuse me, service comes from fellowship. Fellowship is a product of confession of sin. First John 1 9 gets you to that position. We've had it before and we'll have it again and again. If we confess our sin, it's, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Rebound was just as much a part of the life of the Old Testament as it is the New Testament. That is to say, the New Testament saint uses rebound for fellowship because he uses 1 John 1, 9 and other scriptures as from time to time may be appropriate. For example, we use 1 John 1, 9 all the time. But look at Psalm 66, 18 with me. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. 
Psalm 32, 5. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. So First John is not the only verse we see right here. Psalm 66, 18, and Psalm 32, 5, which relate to rebound, and thus fellowship. A prepared believer to be used of God to the maximum must move to the high ground, that is the high ground of spiritual maturity, using a double column advance. The two columns are bound and the consistent intake of the word relates to 1 John 1, 9, 66, 18. All right, now let's continue on and review again 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then we have a related we have related verses, of course. Psalm thirty two five I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will trans I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. A prepared believer to be used of God to the maximum must move to the high ground of spiritual maturity using a double column advance. What are the two columns? The two columns are rebound, naming sin back to God, and the consistent intake of the word. A chart will illustrate. You can find it below this particular 6.4. You'll see it has a y-axis, a z-axis, and an x-axis. And uh, it shows positional sanctification. That results when you name Christ as Savior. You are positionally set apart. And then we have fellowship, a result of naming sin back to God. That gives you temporal fellowship. Fellowship in time. Your sins are named to God because you confess them. And you were formerly carnal, and now you're spiritual. And we have a growth process that's shown on the Z axis. 
you get capacity when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you name your sin back, back to God and you start moving toward maturity. That's activity on the y-axis. And you've already got your z-axis position because of faith alone in Christ alone. That makes you part of the family of God. And so you have position on the x-axis, z-axis, and y-axis. All right. Are you ready to do some more, David, or you want me to continue? I'll, I'll do a little bit. Knowledge of doctrine strengthens faith and provides confidence. Not once did Daniel waver or falter. He knew God had the answers and trusted him to provide the solution needed. Wisdom and sound counsel can only come from doctrine in the soul, and this Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. Recall these young men learned under the good king, Josiah, and through his prodigies, apparently learned nothing. These little boys running around the palace were positive. Their little minds, like a sponge, soaked up the word. Fellowship with other believers is important. The doctrine of separation teaches us the importance of peers. And this sometimes demands separation from certain type of people, regardless of their eternal destiny. A revisionistic antinomium, antinomium believer is to be avoided in the same way as an antinomian unbeliever. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego chose their friends properly, one another, and their sound choices paid huge dividends. Prayer is the believer's hotline to God. God has provided this grace mechanism. The dynamics of prayer are limitless. Doctrine provides orientation to suffering as well as to success. Stability results from doctrine in the soul. Adherence to Bible doctrine can also restore the prosperity of a nation. Rejection of Bible doctrine can result in the destruction of a nation. The size of a nation's pivot is critical. A pivot is best defined as a large group of Bible-believing believers resident in a nation. Said another way, a large pivot sustains a nation and a large spinoff destroys a nation. Daniel is a perfect example of a believer who knew doctrine. And under the stress and threat of being executed, if he first used the doctrine resident in his soul, and then God provided the dream and its interpretation. Daniel successfully withstood the pressures of both adversity and prosperity. As we will see, he did not let his success go to his head. Before beginning our study of Daniel chapter 3, let me give you the expanded translation of verse 49. Then remembering his friends, Daniel requested that the king do something for them. And the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to high positions in the land. But Daniel was made head of the Babylonian court system while also serving as a special advisor to the king. 
Now let's see what we can learn from Daniel chapter 3. Chapter 3 is a perfect picture of God's loving care and a total provision for members of his family in all circumstances of life. In chapter 3, we will see how Daniel delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even under extreme adversity. It simply proves once again that with God, nothing is impossible. That's Luke 1, 30-34, and it reads, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And, behold, you shall conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give him unto the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I have not had intercourse with a man? When Daniel interpreted a series of dreams for King Nebuchadnezzar, the king was so impressed that he promoted Daniel and his three friends over those who were no doubt their senior. This will create a great deal of jealousy on the part of those passed over. The fact that the dream of chapter 2 depicted Nebuchadnezzar as the golden head of the awesome image, this seemed to trigger Nebuchadnezzar's power lust. Although Nebuchadnezzar had recognized the omnipotence of God when Daniel presented divine revelation concerning the king's place in world history, he failed to recognize the need to accept the grace of God which had placed him there. It was God who had given Nebuchadnezzar a great empire and permitted him to rule. But he abused his authority or this authority by worshiping the power rather than the source of the power. In verse 237, Thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom power, and strength, and glory. For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one, and setteth up another. Chapter 2, verse 21 and 22. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and disposes them. Deposes them. He gives them wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. Nebuchadnezzar, in point seven, like his father before him, had sought to consolidate his empire through internationalism. This practice of creeping national hegemony is an anathema to God. Making matters worse, he also saw fit to pursue religious internationalism. His bent of self-aggrandizement caused him 
to even defy himself, for he created an image of himself and demanded the world worship him. That his actions seem to be a precursor of those of the Antichrist certainly should not go unnoticed. The building of the image was fostered by Satan himself and therefore it was an abomination to God. To understand this chapter in the book of Daniel and make application to our own lives, we must be cognizant of the seductive appeal of the devil's counterfeit program, and that is religion. Satanic strategy seeks to win the approbation of God or God's through good works while Christianity is an individual relationship with God through the person of Christ. Let's see what the scriptures have to say about Satan's counterfeits. There is a counterfeit religion which we call a counterfeit gospel from time to time when indeed it is counterfeit. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus in the Bible, the one we preach, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. Paul makes clear in Romans chapter 1 of the evils of rejecting the real gospel. Once the message of Christ is rejected, there are all kinds of substitutskis. How's that for a word, David? That's a word. Now let's take a look at where it's documented in Scripture. Whoa, beginning in Romans chapter 1, verse 15, and reading through verse 28. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. To everyone who believes, 
first the Jew, then the Gentile. For in the gospel of a righteousness from God is revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. The righteous will live by faith. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth of their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 22 says, Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave him over in the mind desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served and created things rather than worshipping God. They gave themselves over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to maintain the knowledge of God, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. The world is and always has been very religious. In other words, a religious place in which to live. It would seem that down through the ages, mankind has had a need for God or their mantra has always been God must exist because virtually everyone in the world believes in him. Therefore, so should I. There are plenty 
of counterfeit ministers in this world. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11, beginning in verse 13. For such men are false apostles, masquerading as apostles, and apostles of Christ even. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Matthew seven twenty three. Excuse me, let's read 22 first. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles, then I will tell you plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Counterfeit ministers certainly exist today, but they shall proliferate as time progresses. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Jesus said to them, The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow the deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. David, why don't you take up what the scriptures clearly says about this situation? Mark 13, 5 and 6, Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming, I am he and will deceive many. There is also a counterfeit communion table. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20 and 21. No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of the demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. There is a counterfeit righteousness, and that's in Matthew 19.16, and it goes to 19.21. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give them to the poor, 
and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. That, that concludes lesson 32 as well as Daniel chapter 2. Next week we'll be on chapter 3 beginning there. And we look forward to being with you again next Sunday. Pastor Merrick, could you close us in a prayer? Father, we are grateful for the fact that we have opportunity to tell folks about our Lord and Savior has spoken through the prophet Daniel and, of course, many others, but we have uh, opportunity to see action on the part of the great prophet, and we'll see more of it as we continue to teach. And we look forward to that opportunity to uh, teach what the prophet experienced. For I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If there's anyone out there without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, at this time all you need to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Until next time. So long.